You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Good morning. As we begin this morning, I'd like to share a story with you. I uh, lived in, my wife and I, we lived in Bolivia uh, for four years. I grew up in Paraguay. But in Bolivia, there was, uh, I worked at a K-12 school, and it was a school for Bolivian kids, and the whole purpose of it was to share the good news of Christ with kids and teenagers and see them go out and just change the country. And uh, it's been there for 50 years, so a lot of kids have gone through there. I remember when I first arrived in Bolivia, the guy checking me into the customs, you know, he was just a guy checking my bags and... He said, what are you here for? And I said, I'm here to work at this Christian school. Um, and he said, really? Where at? And I told him where. I told him who it was for. He's like, oh, I know Gene. I went to school there. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was coming to take that guy's place. I'm like, oh my, this is a big thing. Uh, anyway, this kid's name is Eduardo. He's on the upper left of this picture on the left side and the right up there also. Um, he's Guarani. He's a native. He's a Guarani native, and he speaks Guarani. And Bolivia is an interesting country. It's racially divided. You've got the indigenous people, which are Quechua people, and the Guarani people, and there are some other tribes. Uh, But you also have the mestizos, and the mestizos are are half-breeds like me. You know, uh, my dad's white. My mom's, well, she's a half-breed, so I don't know what that makes me. But, uh, But in Paraguay, most people are mestizos. Most people are. And they're proud of speaking the native language. It's an interesting country. Most countries are like, oh, don't be native. That's, that's lower culture. Uh, but in Paraguay, we're proud to speak the native language. In fact, if, if you go to Paraguay, and Paraguay doesn't speak it, it's almost like, what kind of a patriot are you, you know? Uh, but in, in Bolivia, you've got these two cultures, and they're racially divided. And the uh, mixed culture looks down on the native culture. And so he's native. He's Guarani speaking. Not only is he native, but um, he's had a number of stepdads. He's got half-brothers. And the stuff that goes on at home is really hard. The current stepdad that he was with would buy food for his siblings, his youngest siblings, but wouldn't buy food for the older siblings. So he would come to school hungry. Um, He would come to school tired. Uh, He was just... He would be tired. He couldn't focus. He didn't do well in school. He was failing classes. So I saw him through his sophomore, junior, and senior year. And I remember just watching, watching him. And, he, you know, I'd get to know him, and, and we'd start talking. And he was always very apologetic. Everything was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, why, why are you sorry? You know, um, I remember one time I took him aside after he had failed a class, and I just noticed he was down. I'm like, Eduardo, let's talk. So first of all, I just want you to know I'm native speaking. I'm proud to speak Guarani. He knew it, and we'd talk. I said, I'm proud of that. And you should be proud of it too because it doesn't make you any less than anybody. Um, also, I know you look down on yourself because of your grades and the way things are going for you. But when I look at you, and I compare you to the other kids, and I compare the struggles. I know what you're going through. 
I know your home life. I know you care for your brothers. You're dad to them. And these other kids in your class, they don't have, they don't have any idea of the level of responsibility you live with every single day. So as far as you're concerned and who you are, hold your chin up. Because I respect you. I don't even understand that. I respect you. Hold your chin up. You got nothing to be ashamed of. If you happen to get a bad grade, if you got a bad grade because you slacked and you didn't care, that's one thing. But that's not the case. So hold your chin up. And I remember he, he changed after that conversation. He changed in the classroom. He already had made good choices as far as friends go. But he, he changed at home. He started coming to church. He came one day. He said, you know, I want to know about this Jesus. I was really busy. And he said, I want a relationship with him. I put everything else aside. I'm like, you know, let's talk. And he came to Christ. And uh, his story, that's how he started. And the second picture, uh, he had been a kid who grew up in one little town. He'd never been outside of Kamiri. Never. His senior year, we sent them on a trip to a different city. He got to see a different part of Bolivia, what it looked like. And then after he graduated, he ended up getting a job on a bus, <laughs> traveling. And then uh, later down the road, he got trained. We helped him get trained as a, uh, as a welder. And he moved to Paraguay. He stayed with my parents. That's another country. And uh, he started working with people, helping small groups, planting a church. Um, now he's married. That's his life. When you think of the word blessing, what does that word mean to you? Would you tell someone next to you what the word blessing means to you? Nice, thank you very much. What does that mean? What does the word bless you mean? Maybe you're sending good thoughts my way, you know, uh, like on Facebook, you're supposed to send good thoughts to people when their birthday is happening. I'm not sure, you know, that, that's a good thing, I guess. But I, I'm guessing you don't want me to continue sneezing, you want me to feel better. Um, they're good thoughts. And people can bless other people, kind of like speaking truth to Eduardo. We can bless people that way. But what about God blessing us? What does that look like? And in this passage that we're going to look at today, there's a very specific blessing that is being handed down. Abraham received it from God, and he's going to pass it down. He's passed it down to his son, and now it's his son, Isaac's turn to pass it down to his sons. And he's got two that are twins. And the question is, who's going to get it? Who's going to get this blessing? There's the one who came out first who, well, we'll get there in a bit. But I just want you to think about the word blessing, what it means in this story. And then we'll think about what it means to us. But you've got four people, and this story is so full of drama. There is uh, bitterness, rejection, there's secrecy, uh, there's conniving, There's fear, there is threat to kill, and in the end, the son who gets the blessing has to flee for his life because now he has it. So this is the story, but we look at the characters. We've got Rebecca, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. Rebecca, who is she? 
Her name means beautiful, gorgeous. Do you remember where she's from? She's from another land. She left her country, left her family. Why? Because by faith, she was to be the wife of a Yahweh-fearing man. By faith, she left all that because of this promise and to be part of this promise, this blessing. And you've got Isaac. Isaac is the firstborn of Abraham. Abraham's 100 years old or more. And this boy is born to him. He wasn't the firstborn, but he was the child who inherited this blessing, this messianic, this, this promise this pr- promise that's starting with Abraham and it's going down the line. So Isaac is a very special son. He, he himself is a blessing to his father. And he's got two sons. He's got Esau and Jacob. Esau is a redhead, uh, hairy little man, or I love he's little, uh, but he's a hairy man, and he's not just hairy, he's very hairy, kind of like the Sasquatch. Yeah. I'm guessing that's where it came from. I don't know. But this is Esau, and he's a wild man, but he's a man's man. He loves the outdoors. You know, he goes hunting, brings his game back. He cooks it himself. Dad, check this out. Gives dad some, dad's like, wow, this is good. Like six times it says that he really liked this game. He liked eating it. And dad just loved Esau. Jacob, on the other hand, his his name is uh, heel grasper or grasp the heel. Kind of like saying, hey, I'm not being left behind here. And he's not quite Esau, but he's willing to deceive to be on top. He's willing to do whatever it takes. He's not an outdoors guy. He's like a homebody. Stay stay by the tents. I don't even know if he took care of the sheep that much, at least not yet. But he's a homebody. He obviously knows how to cook because remember the story? Uh, Esau gets back. He's famished. Maybe it wasn't that good. Maybe he was just really hungry. But he sells his birthright to Jacob over a bowl of lentil soup. So he's he's a cook. And you've got all of these characters, and it's time to pass on this blessing. Who's going to get it? How's it going to happen? It's an opportunity for family celebration, <laughs> or not. Here it goes. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. He's got two of them. But he calls this guy, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Isaac is about 100. He's blind, can't see very well, not only with his eyes. He, he's also blind in other ways. He's blind to his, the character in, in the lives of his children. But he's blind. He thinks he's going to die. He's actually going to live another 80 years. Maybe he's sick. I don't know, but he's getting ready to pass on this blessing. So here goes. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. So it's the final blessings of a father. When Isaac was old, oh, we read this already, he called for Esau. uh, Yeah. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening. Question. 
Was she part of the conversation? It doesn't look like it because she doesn't seem to be invited, so there's some secrecy going on. When Isaac received the blessing, it said when, when he received it from his dad, it says his dad gave him everything, gave gifts to his brothers, and they were brothers from concubines, and he said he sent them off. But it seemed to be a public thing. Actually, when his son, Jacob, when he passes on the blessing to 12 of his kids, it's going to be a public thing. Later on, Joseph, when he passes on the blessing, it's going to be a public thing. But in this case, it seems to be secretive because later Rebecca comes and talks to Jacob and says, look, I overheard your father. I happened to catch it. And so there's some secrecy going on. And so Rebecca says, uh, this is what she heard, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. This blessing, it's not just a human blessing. It's in the presence of the Lord. It's a blessing before God. It's saying God's the source of what's going to happen. And Rebecca could have just said, you know what, Jacob, let's have our own little ceremony. We'll go, you know what, we can kill some goats. We don't have to go hunt. Let's just do it here. And we'll eat, we'll invite other people. We'll have our own thing and I'll I'll bless you. But this is a specific blessing that was given to, to God. God was given to Abraham. Abraham's passing it down to Isaac. Isaac is passing it down. And Rebecca wants this blessing for Jacob. Jacob wants this blessing for Jacob. So here it goes. Uh, Rebecca is the one who plans the con. She plans it. So she says, now my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. You're going to hear that phrase twice in here. Do, do, do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats. Do goats taste like wild game? Usually, uh, you know, a- animals that are domesticated don't taste like wild game. But she's a good cook. So she says, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessings before he dies. So we've got the con is, is they're planning for it. But there are some problems. Here are the problems. The first one's the food. You've got to cook it just right. It's got to taste like wild game, right? And so Rebecca's going to take care of that. Jacob says, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. This is a problem. Um, What if he touches me? What if I appear to be tricking him? (laughs) Appear to be tricking him? Jacob, you are tricking him. But what if I appear like I'm doing it? It would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he goes. And now they're getting ready to steal the blessing. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best of clothes of Esau, her older son. Now keep in mind, Isaac is blind, so why should this matter, right? But (laughs) it really does. She gets the clothes of her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Esau must have been pretty hairy. (laughs) Either that or Isaac is really sick. I don't know. But uh, 
she covers it. I mean, she's taking care of all the details, right? So he goes in. Does she cover all the bases? He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? There's already one base that seems to be forgotten, right? Which one is it? His voice. Wait, yes, my son. Who is it? Yeah. Jacob said to his father, I am, <coughs> he perks up, got a little more manly voice maybe. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessings. He has to clarify, I'm your firstborn. Maybe he's overkilling it a little bit. But uh, the, the story continues. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Another doubt point, right? A point, a point to doubt. Oh, I love his answer. When you bring God into the picture, you're probably going to win, right? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. It's interesting that he says the Lord your God, and he's impersonating Esau. <laughs> I wonder what he knows about his brother. But um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm overreading that myself. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So he has doubts. So Jacob went close to his father. He touched him. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. He's, he's moving forward. And what happens? Wait, pause. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat. Uh, there's another point to prove. You've got to prove it, right? So, uh, so that I may give you a blessing. Jacob brought the food. He brings him some wine, and he drank. Maybe it was a little more wine than he needed. But then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he comes close. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, So what got him? The smell. The smell convinces him. Kind of like when you don't really feel like coffee but you walk by a coffee shop or something and they've got that smell just pumping through something and you smell it, I want coffee, right? Uh, maybe not all of you are coffee drinkers, but uh, okay, not a, bad, not a great relationship either. But he convinc- he's convinced and he responds, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And so he proceeds to, he's stealing the blessing, but he proceeds to bless his son. And he begins with this phrase, May God give you. It's not just any blessing. The source is God. He starts out with, may God give you. And then he goes into, what are the blessings? The first one, earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And the last one down there is one that Abraham received and Isaac received. It's those who curse you, be cursed, and those who bless you, be blessed. It's a blessing of protection. So you've got abundance, you've got like kingship, ruling, and you've got protection. And so after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau comes back from hunting. And he too prepared some tasty food. He comes in with the food. My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Okay? His father asks him, who are you? I am your son, 
Your firstborn, Esau, he answers. He also has to clarify he's the firstborn, but he really is the firstborn. So Isaac responds, and this response is so interesting. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate just before you came and blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. If you think about Isaac, he's been planning this for a long time. He really wants Esau to get the blessing. He thinks he's going to die. At least let's get this one thing right. And suddenly, the blessing is shifted, and he shakes violently. He's, this is emotional. This is a problem. Or, well, let's see what happens. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. This is the man's man. (laughs) suddenly he's a baby. He's a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. Can you give me something? And maybe, maybe Isaac could have given him a blessing of, you know, if you make good choices in life, things will go well for you. But this isn't the blessing he's asking for. He's asking for the same blessing that Abraham and Isaac, that messianic, promise of that line and but what happens your brother came and deceitfully took your blessing Esau Esau said isn't he rightly named Jacob the heel grabber the one who comes out will deceive to get on top this is the second time he's taken advantage of me he took my birthright he took it you gave it to him and now he's taken my blessing then he asked haven't you reserved any blessing for me Is there anything left? Hmm. Isaac answered, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine, so what can I possibly do for you? In the picture of Jacob's blessing, where does Esau stand? He's the servants. There, Jacob is his Lord. So what does he have left? Finally, Esau comes around. And when he comes around and he wants the blessing, it's too late. It's too late. It's interesting, I think, that in this room, there are a number of, all of us walk in, and we walk in like either Esau or Jacob. And a lot of times we want it too late. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So Esau just asks, man, Is there anything left? You have only one blessing, my father. Bless me too. Then Esau wept out loud. This guy is broken. And he asked, and his father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be from the earth's rich, and it's it's an anti-blessing. It's the reverse of what Jacob gets. So Jacob got the richness of the land, and he got uh, protection. Uh, He got, you know, to be, uh, have dominion and ruling. Look what he has. Away from the earth's richness, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, this is the one thing he does have, you'll serve your brother, but someday you will throw his yoke from off your neck. And it's interesting how in history this plays out. Esau is the father of the Edomites. And later down the road, David will come down and he will subdue the Edomites, King David. And Solomon will put them to work. 
Eventually, Solomon's son will lose the lordship over them, but then the Assyrians will take them. And that just kind of keeps playing over and over. Did you know that King Herod, the one that killed all those children, was an Edomite, and his son was an Edomite. And when he comes before King Jesus, this plays itself all over again. After he had killed John the Baptist, he finally gets Jesus, and he's like, oh, I'll get all my answers. Jesus doesn't speak a word to Herod. He leaves him in his state of being lost. And after that, the Edomites just kind of disappear from history. Interesting. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing that that happened. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So there's a grudge. There's a belief that dad is really sick or he's going to die. And when it happens, I'm going to kill him. This is bitterness setting in. It's setting in and it's downward spiraling. Instead of seeking reconciliation and bitterness, he's letting it, wall- he's wallowing in it. So he goes on, when Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had said she, want- she wants to kill him, your brother Esau, she takes Jacob, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Only this time it's bitter. It's hard. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. That's where she came from. Stay with him for a while. A while will end up being like 20 years. Until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry, you know, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? So in the end, this blessing it was meant to be a really good thing, and it will be down the road, but it becomes, it's, it's full of pain. Esau wants to kill Jacob. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted, and this is the rest of the, the chapter, but we'll get to this next week. So I'll just go ahead and ask this question. What does this have to do with me? And this is where it gets to be important. If we just read the Bible, we make observations about what it says, and we don't take it and think about us, we're missing out. And uh, I can only imagine how the story might have gone if Isaac had been intentional about this conversation from the beginning. If he had taken Esau aside, son, early on, son, the choices you make have consequences. Please make wise choices. There is a reason, son, there's a reason why your mom came from Haran. There is a reason why we don't marry the women from Canaan. But we don't see the intentionality. We don't see it. Or maybe having a conversation with Jacob. Jacob, you know, your heart wanting what, God's, what God wants for you. That's a very good thing. How you go about getting it, using deceit, that's, that's not a good thing. If you keep that up, it will get you in trouble someday. Let's work on this. We don't see the intentionality in this conversation. And, you know, we can just imagine what that might look like in their lives if they had done it differently. But we don't have to imagine what it looks like in our lives. Because we live that. We know what that's like. I look at, I look at Isaac as a husband. And in this passage, you know, it reminds me, I don't want 
to live in brokenness in my home. I especially don't want to make life-changing decisions, not just including my wife, but listening to her. There are times when, and maybe it's most of the time, when she's listening to God's voice, and I'm not. And God placed her there so I would cherish, I would listen, I would love her, and, and when I do that, I'm a better man. I'm a better father. My other blessings come in the form of six kids, How would they feel if Carrie and I preferred one of them? Or if I had one preference and Carrie had another? How powerful are our words and our attitudes towards them? As I think about my own dad, I think about the power of his words in my life, how encouraging he's been. I think about my mother. It's not always been perfect, but I think about my mom. Every time I get on the phone with her, she's like halfway across the world, and when we talk, she prays for me. Let's take a minute and pray. She's done that ever since I've known her. It's so encouraging. We, can, we have so much power in our words. I think about God's desire in this story as a father. Isaac wants to bless. But he's just a tiny picture of our Heavenly Father. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless humanity. God's children, we have made choices to be separated from Him on our own will. John says that God loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son to become one of us. John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The word became flesh, the logos, the divine expression of God clothed in humanity. This is how much God loves us. How how can you possibly find a greater gift than God himself becoming man? As such, Jesus chooses to become payment for our sins, for our brokenness, to make us right with God and give us the power to live right with each other. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have one, would you consider the fact that God is inviting you into family? He's inviting you, son, I want to talk. I want to bless you. I want to help you make better choices, but the first thing I want to bless you with is being with you. I want to be in relationship with you. So if you don't have that, would you consider, would you just talk to him? He's waiting with open arms. He invites us. And now when I think of Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob, even though they didn't go through things the right way, They didn't pursue things the right way, but they wanted the blessing. They truly wanted what God wanted for them. And it makes me wonder, how much do we really want the good things that God has to offer? And how often do we think, hey, it's over here. This is, what I, this is what I think God wants because it's what I want. It must be what God wants. And we pursue it, we pursue it, and we pursue it when the whole time it's right there in front of them or in front of you. In my case, my greatest blessing, my wife and my kids. That's the greatest treasure I have. 
And sometimes I have to wonder, am I acting in such a way that it shows them that they are the most valuable things that I have? What do we pursue in life? At the expense of what? In Hebrews chapter 12, there's this verse. It says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. How many bitter roots do we allow to just grow and fester? And then it goes on to this little list of things that do that, sexual immorality. And then it mentions this one, or is godless like Esau. See, from the beginning, he did not line his life up with what God wanted for him. He didn't care. He despised it. And in the end, it was too late. Keep in mind that if you're hearing this message about a relationship with God, and he's offering it to you through Jesus, you might be saying that there may be obstacles in your way. You might be thinking, hey, man, I don't want to be a holy roller. I don't, want, I don't want someone to say, oh, you found God, huh? You found religion. Or maybe you're just afraid of what friends might think. They might call you crazy. The reality is they might. And the gospel isn't cheap. And there really aren't any good relationships that are cheap. (laughs) And if you come to know Jesus, please keep in mind that the sooner you come, this is, it may not be cheap, but it's true. And the sooner you come to know him, the sooner you will have the power and the ability to be able to say, hey, you know what? I, I know you think I'm crazy, But I want you to meet this friend of mine who changed my life and who is changing my life. And he satisfies and he breathes life into me every day no matter what my circumstances are. And and you will experience that joy. There's no greater joy than talking to someone about Jesus and having them come and say, I I want him. And suddenly they come into a relationship and I'm happy with Jesus because he's my friend and we're happy together and there's this party because... (laughs) Someone passes from a kingdom that belongs to darkness to a kingdom that belongs to light. Maybe you think, you know what, I'll do it someday, but right now I'm not good enough. I'll clean up my life first. That's like saying, you know what, I'm going to get rid of the darkness in this room and then I'm going to turn the light on. It doesn't work. And that's what Jesus, that's why he died, was because we couldn't do it. We aren't saved by our works. He invites us into relationships. He says, let me do it. Let me deal with it. Let me clean it out. I'll take away all the guilt up front, and then we'll work on the issues. And for those of us who know Christ, if we know Christ, a lot of times we think, you know what? This is just the way I am. I can't change. Anger issues, habits, choices for entertainment, or who knows how many choices and God is calling us. He's saying, I want to bless you, son. Can we walk together? I invite you into this relationship. And as I look at grace, and I see the impact that we have, and what God is doing in our lives, I think about the short-term teams that are going to go out this summer. They're going to bless people. They're going to be blessed. They're going to bless each other. They're going to bless God. When I think about VBS that's coming this summer, all these kids the power we'll have to speak truth into their lives. 
Sign up. This is a great opportunity. When I think of our community, I think of our homes. Do we have the power to to share God's blessing with others? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We may not have the power to give down a messianic blessing. That already happened. Jesus already came. But Jesus gives us the power to bless others. And when I think about when I drive home from work, I have this great privilege. I can pray for my wife. I can pray for my kids. When I go to work, maybe it's here or when it's been in other places. I remember going to a place where it was a youth corrections home. And I remember working there, 16 kids, and it could be really tense moments. But you, when on your way, God, please bless me. Come with me. May your peace just overflow. Would you work? And there are some stories I could share with you over the things that God has done. God is at work. He works in us. He works through us. He goes with us. We're his children. And when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to play, he wants to bless you when he wants to bless, use you to bless others around you. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Go, bless God, bless people. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.